Here's Tuesday's edition of Transformation Radio. Isn't it amazing how a man can find himself alone? Calling to the darkness for an answer that he's never known. Yeah, isn't it amazing how God can take a broken man? Yeah, let him find a fortune, let him ruin it with his own two hands. Climbs on up the hill On a rock on which he stands He looks back at the crowd He looks down at his hands And he says I am a difference maker Oh, I am a difference maker Oh, I am the only one that speaks to him I am the friendliest of friends of God seen and I have felt the fire get put out by too much gasoline. We're all strangers passing through a place in time and afternoon. Life is but a vision in a window that we're peeking through. Helpless conversation with a man who says he cares a lot. It's a passive confrontation about who might throw a punch or not. We are all transgressors. We're all sinners. We're all astronauts. So if you're beating death, then raise your hand. But shut up if you're not. Cause I am a difference maker. Oh, I am only one who speaks to him. And I am the friendliest of friends of God. 
As we begin our narration of the New Testament, we'll be reading from the book of Revelation, chapter 21, verses 1 through 27. Here's a little overview of some of what we'll find here today as we read. Now, the earth as we know it will not last forever, but after God's great judgment, He's going to create a new earth and a new heaven. You know, the earth as we know it will not last forever, but after God's great judgment, he will create a new earth. It says so over in Romans and the book of Peter in the New Testament. Uh, God had also promised Isaiah that he would create a new and eternal earth in his book, uh, the book of Isaiah. The sea is gone as well. In John's time, the sea was viewed as dangerous and changeable. It was also the source of the beast. The new Jerusalem is where God lives among his people. Instead of our going up to meet him, he comes down to be with us. Pretty remarkable. Just as God became man in Jesus Christ and lived among us, wherever God reigns, there is peace and security and genuine love. Have you ever wondered what eternity will be like? The holy city, the new Jerusalem, is described as the place where God will remove all sorrows and forevermore there will be no more death, no more sorrow, crying, or pain. What a wonderful truth. So, no matter what you're going through, it's not the last word. God has written the final chapter. And if you're a believer in Christ, well, you're there, you're in it. It's also about true fulfillment and eternal joy for those who love Him. You see, we don't know as much as we would like, but it's enough to know that eternity with God will be more wonderful than we could ever possibly hope or imagine. God is the Creator. The Bible begins with the majestic story of His creation of the universe, and it concludes with His creation of a new heaven and a new earth. This is a tremendous hope and encouragement for the believer. We'll read about the cowards here in Scripture today. The cowards are the fearful ones who abandon Christ at the threats of the beast. They fear persecution so badly that they choose temporary safety over eternal life. They're put in the same list as the unbelieving, the corrupt, the murderers, the immoral, the idolaters, the liars, and those practicing magical arts. Now, by contrast, 
people who are victorious endure to the end, and they will receive the blessings that God promised. To follow Christ requires boldness and bravery to stand for Him when oppression occurs. Pray for courage to do what's right, no matter what pressures you face. Those who can endure the testing of evil and remain faithful will be rewarded by God. That's His promise. All right, with that, let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. December 30th, the New Testament, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 27. Then I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them, and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I'm making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down. For what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards, unbelievers, the corrupt, murderers, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshippers, and all liars, their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls containing the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come with me. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So he took me in the spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like a precious stone, like jasper as clear as crystal. The city wall was broad and high, with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels, and the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each one thousand four hundred miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be two hundred and sixteen feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with twelve precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl, and the main gate was pure gold, as clear as glass. 
I saw no temple in the city, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple, and the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of day, because there is no night there, and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Psalm 149, verses 1 through 9. Well, although the Bible invites us to praise God, we often aren't sure how to go about it. Well, here in this psalm, several ways are suggested by singing, dancing. <laughs> I would like to see that in church, wouldn't you? Especially uh, with the guys. A bunch of guys getting up and dancing to the Lord. What a sight that would be. Uh, playing musical instruments. That's another way of praising God. And if you're like me, you wish you could sing better. Well, go ahead and practice now because in heaven, guess what? You will have a beautiful voice with perfect pitch. See, God enjoys His people. He really enjoys His people. God is very fond of you. We should enjoy praising Him. Now, the sharp sword that we'll read about here in Psalms today uh, symbolizes the completeness of judgment that will be executed by the Messiah when He returns to punish all evildoers. Psalm 149, verses 1 through 9. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing His praises in the assembly of the faithful. O Israel, rejoice in your Maker. O people of Jerusalem, exult in your King. Praise His name with dancing, accompanied by tambourine and harp. For the Lord delights in His people. He crowns the humble with victory. Let the faithful rejoice that He honors them. Let them sing for joy as they lie on their beds. Let the praises of God be in their mouths and a sharp sword in their hands to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with shackles and their leaders with iron chains, to execute the judgment written against them. This is the glorious privilege of His faithful ones. Praise the Lord. Proverbs 31, verses 10 through 24. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spends it. She is like a merchant's ship, bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household, for everyone has warm clothes. She makes her own bedspreads. She dresses in fine linen and purple gowns. Her husband is well known at the city gates, 
where he sits with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants.
today's In Touch devotion. Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 11. Now when he had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch with him, and he went in and reclined at the table. When the Pharisee saw it, he was surprised that he had not first ceremonially washed before the meal. But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside of you you are full of robbery and wickedness. You foolish ones! Did not he who made the outside make the inside also? But give that which is within as charity, and then all things are clean for you. But woe to you, Pharisees! The scripture continues. One of the lawyers said to him in reply, Teacher, when you say this, you insult us too. But he said, Woe to you lawyers as well, for you weigh men down with burdens hard to bear, while you yourselves will not even touch the burdens with one of your fingers. Woe to you, for you build the tombs of the prophets, and it was your fathers who killed them. So you are witnesses and approve the deeds of your fathers, because it was they who killed them, and you build their tombs. For this reason also the wisdom of God said, I will send to them prophets and apostles, and some of them they will kill, and some they will persecute, so that the blood of all the prophets shed since the foundation of the world may be charged against this generation. The School of Obedience has many courses and many exams. Believers who progress through its lessons can move from fearful or feigned obedience to the heartfelt compliance their salvation provides. In the book of Exodus, we read that God's people heard the word thundered at Sinai's classroom, but they continually alternated between obedience and rebellion. Centuries later, however, a new course was offered. After the word became flesh and dwelt among us, people began to catch on. They saw it was possible to be obedient from the depths of their hearts. Jesus had a great deal to say on the subject, and His words were powerful because they came from a fully obedient, sinless life. His testimony was that He had come down from heaven to do the will of the Father. Knowing full well the necessity of the surrendered life, Jesus admonishes us to be like Him. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, says Jesus, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. The Lord also had harsh words for those teachers of the law who refused to obey its commands. He accused them of weighing men down with heavy burdens and not helping to carry the load. In other words, they taught what should be done, but were powerless to do it themselves or help anyone else. Jesus went on to identify righteousness as the key to knowledge. When we obey, doors of understanding will open in front of us, and we will be able to see as never before. I am a thief. I am a murderer. Walking on this long That my time 
Welcome to Minute with Max. Well, today's word is discernment. Stan Fisher, who's in sales training in Wichita, Kansas, submitted this word. Often people come to me and they say, John, I'm not very discerning. I'm not very intuitive. And I always smile and say, yeah, you are. 
Um, but let me explain where we are intuitive. Let me explain where we become discerning. We are uh, intuitive in the area of our giftedness. In other words, uh, I happen to be gifted in the area of leadership. So when it comes to leadership issues, I'm very discerning. I began to sense when things aren't going well and when people need to kind of maybe be tweaked in their leadership uh, abilities or skills. Because you see, it's my strength point. It's my, it's my sweet spot. It's where I'm gifted. And you are also discerning in the area of your giftedness. Now, let me just turn that over for a moment. In things that I'm not gifted in, I'm not discerning at all. I, I'm not intuitive. So when people say, I would like to have what I call that, that intuitive discernment edge where I can kind of sense things, maybe even before others sense them, I always say this, you're discerning but only in the area of your giftedness. So go to your strength zone, the things that you intuitively do well, and guess what? You'll be intuitive, and it will give you that step ahead of others.
Hello, my name is Paul Ballard II. I was 26 years old, and I was born and raised in Columbus, Ohio. I was raised in a good Christian family, but then I started to veer away from God and started smoking weed and drinking in the outdoors. When I graduated high school, I got a really good job and was making really good money. When I was introduced to Ferguson's, and that later turned into a After everything got bad, I ended up losing my job, and later I ended up selling my car, boat, and lost my house. So I moved in with my mom.
Thanks for listening. Make sure to tune in tomorrow for the next edition of Transformation Radio.